Now it's time for the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast with Dean Linke. The National Soccer Coaches Association of America is the go-to resource for soccer coaches of any level. From advocacy, education, and networking, the NSCAA has something for everyone. Join the world's largest soccer coaches organization today. Now, here's our veteran soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke. Welcome to the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast. Dean Linke here, delighted to be back with you for the second ever show. It's such a great time last week and even more fun this week because, as promised, we're going to make sure we spend time at every level of college soccer, men and women. And with that, today's show will feature at the Division I level Maryland men's soccer coach Sasha Sarosky, who will take on Indiana Friday on the Big Ten Network. Sasso Sarosky, perhaps the most visionary and vocal college soccer coach in the game, shares that vision for a full academic year soccer schedule, as well as previewing Friday's game against Indiana. We'll also have Florida State's Mark Krikorian, winner of the 2014 Women's College Cup. He's got a big matchup today against UConn. At the D2 level, Columbus State women's head coach Jay Entlake will join us as Columbus State is number one in the country at D2 women's level. For D3, Amherst College, your reigning men's champion head coach, Justin Serpone, is on the show. Of course, Amherst College, the house that Peter Gooding built, the longtime NSCAA staff coach. And from the junior college ranks, Jeff Carr, who has Eastern Florida State College ranked number one, one year removed from losing in the women's NJCAA National Championship game, He's got a young team, and he also joins us. We will even have news and nuggets from the NAIA men and women, courtesy of Chad Waller. And we start with legendary Maryland head coach Sasha Sarosky right after this message. The NSCAA is 75 years strong and continues to provide quality service and benefits to soccer coaches. Whether you're a youth, high school, college, or professional coach, the NSCAA works to be a voice for you. Speaking of voice, once again, here's Dean Linke. Okay, we start with men's Division I soccer, and the University of Notre Dame is number one in the recently released NSCAA rankings. They are 4-0. and after two wins in the Adidas Classic over Stanford and Cal, Mike Noonan has Clemson. They made it to last year's national championship game at number two right now at 3-0. The Tar Heels are also 3-0. They've scored nine goals in three games, and Carlos Samuano's team is rolling. And Indiana and Maryland at 4-5, and five respectively. They'll play each other on Friday night, 7.30 on the Big Ten Network. I'll have the call. Ian McIntyre's Syracuse team, they are legit again, 4-0. Tim Bomsteeg has... UCSB at 4-0-0, and their schedule is going to get interesting. They've got Butler, Akron, and then on September 17th, UCLA will be in town. You know there'll be 15,000-plus for that game. Speaking of UCLA, they are number 8, UNC Charlotte number 9. Akron drops down to number 10. And how about Utah Valley University? Pretty much a brand-new team that we saw unveiled as part of the NSCAA Game of the Week, Greg Moss as Utah Valley at number 12 in the country. Already told you, Indiana faces Maryland, 7.30 on the Big Ten Network. Two legendary programs. Of course, Indiana won six national championships under the godfather Jerry Yeagley featured last week. Head coach Todd Yeagley won one back in 2012. Maryland got him in 2005 and 2008. In 23 years, the man is incredible. 21 appearances. Seven college cups, those two titles, 13 conference titles. 
And here we go. When you think men's college soccer today, you immediately think Sasho Sarovsky. What an amazing coach. What an amazing ambassador. All about big crowds and big success. Sasho, thanks for being with us. Great to be with you, Dean. Thank you for having me on. Huge game on Friday, although i got to tell you, Sasha, when you look at your schedule, all your games are huge. But on the Big Ten Network, I'll have the call, Maryland and Indiana. Boy, just saying that, two of the all-time great programs. Yeah, I have tremendous respect for Indiana, Dean. It's, uh, they've certainly become a, a huge rival of ours. You know, I've always admired Indiana back when I played at Wisconsin-Milwaukee in the 80s. They were always a program that I looked up to. In fact, when I... Uh, took over the, the Maryland job. Indiana was my role model, even though I was at that point I was chasing uh, in, you know, University of Virginia and Clemson and North Carolina. Uh, Indiana was always my mo- model. And to, right now to line up against them in, you know, pivotal games so early in the year when both teams are playing at a high level is going to be exciting. Well, I, I love that you said Indiana was your role model. Last week in the first ever NSCA College Soccer Podcast, we had the godfather, Jerry Yeagley. You know about the six national championships. When he retired, he was the all-time winningest coach. A lot of people called him the greatest college soccer coach of all time at the men's level. Now they say the same thing about you. When you hear that, how does it make you feel? Well, it, uh, to be mentioned the same name as uh, Coach Jerry Yeagley is, uh, is, uh, is humbling because he's uh, – such a such an incredible person i think you know he led the way in college soccer by really investing in the game you know 10 years he was a club coach he believed in college soccer and then he built a program that was a role model for everybody the way they played on the field the way they conducted themselves off the field so i thought he was just a a fantastic person certainly was one of the people that i i looked uh to for inspiration you know uh, we lost to Indiana at University of Maryland in the 2004 College Cup semifinal at the Home Depot Center. It was a, a really a heartbreaking game, and uh, you know it was Jerry's first year in retirement. And you know he asked if he could meet with my team after the game, and it was a sign of tremendous respect. And he simply said, "Your championships are coming. You guys are doing all the right things. Uh, just keep keep." Uh, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, sure enough, we won a title in 2005 and again in 2008. But uh, we've always had a close connection with uh, Yeagley family and have nothing but respect for Indiana. And that'll be on display on Friday night. I got chills, though, was thinking about uh, the godfather in there. And here you go. You've had chances to you know, join the professional ranks, but you're so committed. You've got the starting 11 at Maryland. You've got the crew. If people have never experienced it, tell our listeners what it's like to watch a home game at College Park. Well, I, I certainly think it's the finest environment in all of college soccer. It's something that uh, I think every visiting team uh, really wants to get a feel for. You know, we're lucky we get that environment uh, throughout the year, but uh, it, it's it's just an awesome environment. You know, I've been working many years at Maryland to try to build a soccer-specific stadium, and I think that is coming. But in the meantime, while we haven't been able to to, to put a lot of brick and mortar in my dream of a stadium, we've been able to create an environment uh, at Ludwig Field that's second to none. You know, we we had uh, 7,500 against Georgetown last Friday, and uh, we had 5,200 students come to the game. Uh, in a place with a big football program and basketball program in an environment like the you know, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, here where you have so much domination of colleges and professional sports, you know, for us to get that type of support from the students and the community uh, is quite remarkable, and, and again, it, it's very humbling. Uh, but we've worked hard at developing relationships with, 
you know the the soccer community, the student body, and I'd like to think we play good soccer and uh, and we win some games. So people like that play amazing soccer. So yes, I'm hyped for the Indiana Maryland game, but I'm also hyped for the future because of your vision and you have been very vocal about the full academic year, soccer year. You have the floor. Why is that critical, and why does it need to happen right away? Well, you know, when you're in this game for a long time, and uh, like I've been now, and, and you, you see uh, the, the, the game the way it should be played, and you, and you really, at the end of the day, you care about the student-athlete experience. Um, you know, I just think that uh, it, the time has come. We've been fighting for this back when Coach Yegley was uh, chair of Division One coaches, uh, you know, they, they were trying to move the game forward, and we kept having stumbling blocks. But right now, I think the time is, is right. I think there's a renewed uh, focus on student-athlete welfare and well-being. And what we're doing in, in college soccer is just, uh, well, it's insane. Uh, it, it makes zero sense. We're violating sports-specific science principles on rest and recovery. We're cramming way too much time. We're, you know, we're missing all of our classes in the fall, none in the spring, we already played two semesters. We call it traditional and non-traditional season, and that's a model whose time has gone. You know, we, we need to move our championships to the spring, spread the game out so we have some academic balance, so we can have a full day off and recover. We can have proper rest and recover physically for the student-athletes, and we've got to move our championships to a time when they can flourish. Right now, the championship experience in college soccer is deflating. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's a really cold weather uh, very few people come out, and we get poor television coverage. And it, it's it's not the way it should be for the pinnacle of a student-athlete's career. So it, it just makes so much sense. And it's it's not revolutionary. We're just reorganizing the calendar. It just makes sense. It's something that uh, the coaches before I started pushing this had ideas. But now we've been able to get the statistics behind the support of the student-athletes and the coaches. We have the sports science support in our model and I think we're starting to get faculty reps and athletic directors and presidents are saying, this makes too much sense. We've got to start moving this along. So I believe this will happen, whether it happens this January or the January of 2018. This will happen. It will be the best thing that could ever happen to college soccer. Well, yeah, you mentioned rest for the athlete. I get the feeling you're not going to rest until it does happen. You just gave the timeline. How confident are you about that timeline, Coach? Oh, it's going to happen. Uh, there's, uh, uh, there's, there's very few things that, uh, when I set my mind to it, uh, that don't happen. And this, this is a big, big deal uh, for me personally, but it's also a big deal for you know the 5,000 student-athletes that, that play the game and are supporting the initiative, and, and also for the 92% of the coaches that are supporting this initiative. So uh, we're not going to let this go. We're going we're gonna to push this through. We're going to educate, inspire, uh, motivate, and hopefully at the end of the day do the right thing uh, for future generations of, of young men playing soccer. And, and by the way, Dean, this is not only right for the men's game, it's right for the women's game, it's right for a lot of other sports in Division One. And uh, we just want to right now uh, you know, push Division One men's soccer forward, but I believe this is a good model for a lot of other sports. Coach, love your passion, love your vision. That passion will be on display Friday night, 7.30 Eastern, on the Big Ten Network, Maryland, Indiana. The Terps will win in Bloomington if they do what? <laughs> well, we got to play a great game. Uh, that's, this is a really, really good Indiana team. I think this is probably uh, their best group since they won a title in 2012, and this might be one of my best teams since we lost in a title game in 2013. So I think this is uh, two teams that uh, are both uh, contenders. I think they're playing at a high level. It's uh, 
be interesting because we play so early against each other. So I think uh, neither team uh, is probably going to be at its best right now, but I think it's going to be a very good game for both teams. And uh, I'm sure we'll have a chance to see each other later in the year as well. Coach, I don't get to tell you enough. I'm indebted to you for your push to put college soccer on television. Ten years I served as the voice of the NSCA Game of the Week on Fox Soccer, all because of you. Thank you so much for your vision and, and really just your all-out passion for college soccer. Dean, thank you so much. I, I love the game. I truly believe in college soccer. I believe that uh, uh, we can make it better, and we're going to keep working hard to make it better. But uh, I appreciate all of your support. Thank you. Sasha Sarosky getting it done. We come back. Mark Krikorian, the head coach of the Florida State women's soccer coach. They won the national championship just two years ago, trying to get back to the promised land. When you join the National Soccer Coaches Association of America, you join a community who live and breathe the beautiful game just like you do. You join a network of individuals who share many of the same issues, concerns, and questions as you. The NSCAA is dedicated to serving coaches at every level of the game in a number of ways through advocacy, education, and service. Be a part of the coaching community. Learn more and join at NSCAA.com. Switching now to women's college soccer, pleased to be joined by Mark Krikorian, one of the legendary figures of women's college soccer. Of course, he won a national championship just two years ago for Florida State. He always has the Seminoles in the running for a national title. Coach, thanks for being with me. Pleasure to have you on the show. Always a pleasure, Dean. Another big game for you and what is always a tough schedule, UConn Thursday night. Why is it so important to play such quality teams early on, Coach? Well, certainly, I think uh, all of us across the country are hoping to uh, evaluate where we're at and uh, have the opportunity to grow and get better. And it's going to take teams like UConn that uh, will be able to help expose some of our weakness and uh, show us areas that we need to get better. All right, let's go ahead and get rid of the elephant in the room. A rare loss because Florida State has been dominant over the years, but a one nothing loss in your last game to South Alabama. Talk a little bit about that game and what you take from it. Well, first of all, of course, all credit goes to South Alabama. They uh, Graham and his staff put together a fantastic game plan, and uh, probably even more impressive uh, was how well they executed the game plan. Uh, they they had a great uh, uh, collective defending and uh, were dangerous uh, in their play as well. So, you know, it, uh, it, that's the way soccer is. That's the way sport is. If uh, you know, if you you're not uh, finishing your chances in soccer and uh, you you don't um, take care of the details, then uh, certainly um, if losing the game is, is, is possible. And, uh, you know, credit to South Alabama for, uh, for, for beating us and, uh, and earning the win. So, you know, we'll, we're going to take away that, um, you know, we need to be better. We know that we need to get better. And as I just said about UConn, uh, each of these games are, are teaching us small things about our team. And now it's about applying the information that we learn. What was your message to the team right after the game and this week? It is small details that will um, will help um, in dictating the level of success that we achieve this year. And uh, just by walking out on the field doesn't ensure that uh, the results will come. That uh, we've been a hardworking team and uh, uh, pretty meticulous to detail. And uh, if we uh, can go and, and take care of those small details the results will fall in our favor. And if we don't, then probably don't, uh, we don't deserve to. You mentioned those details as you look forward to the ACC season. Without question, the best conference in the land. There are no day-offs when you start the ACC season. So how do you use these non-conference games to prepare for that rigorous ACC schedule? 
Yeah, I mean, certainly if we're um, if we're smart about our preparation, then it will help us going into the ACC. Uh, you know, we have all kinds of different uh, teams playing uh, different styles, playing different systems in the ACC, uh, and an awful lot of extremely talented players and uh, outstanding coaches as well. So, you know, we know that uh, some of the teams we're going to play against are going to come out and they're going to press high and they're going to uh, put us under a great deal of, of strain. And we know other teams are going to play with a lower line and uh, challenge us in, in terms of our soccer uh, decision-making and um, it, it kind of is uh, all over the place in terms of uh, the different qualities that the ACC brings. And you know, we as a staff have to be smart enough to prepare our kids properly, and our kids have to be uh, clever enough to apply the information we give them. In your introduction, talked about the 2014 National Championship and your unbelievable run in the NCAA tournament. Do you still reflect on that 2014 title, Mark, or is it behind you? No, it's behind us. We're, we're looking at... Uh, uh, UConn, and then we're looking beyond UConn uh, at the <laughs> to to start to see what uh, what comes next. But I think uh, you know we're, we're of course extremely uh, proud of the the quality of soccer that we've uh, been able to play here at Florida State and the successes that we've been able to to share in. Um, but uh, what's gone on in the past is all well and good, and it's uh, you know it's nice. And maybe when I retire, I'll look back and. I uh, have a nice smile about it, but right now I can assure you that uh, all of my attention and focus is on uh, the, the folks from UConn. We hope you never retire. You've done so much for the women's game, both professionally and on the international stage as well. From where you sit right now, fresh off the Olympics, obviously the USA a little disappointed in their result, but when you looked at all the rosters laden with college stars, just talk about the impact college soccer has made on the international game, Coach. You know, it's really interesting because when you look across the board, so many uh, talented kids coming up, uh, and, um, you know, I think the the future for U.S. soccer continues to be extremely bright. Uh, um, you know, the, the group of um, youth uh, coaches that have helped to produce a lot of these uh, quality players that uh, the ECNL group that uh, did such a fine job and continues to do a fine job in helping to develop players and uh you know, here at the college level, all of us taking those players and then trying to help them in their development. And, you know, now you look at the um, the U.S. Women's Pro League, the NWSL, and uh, what a good job they're doing giving these kids uh, an opportunity uh, to continue to play after college and grow. Um, you know, I think the formula for our national team is, um, is very positive uh, with all of those uh, different uh, levels in mind. You mentioned retirement. Where do you see yourself five years, ten years from now, Coach? Five years from now, I'll be here at Florida State. Um, I'm not sure about ten years, but uh, five years from now, I'll be here. And uh, myself, my family, we very much enjoy it here in Tallahassee. And um, we're very committed to the university. The commi- university is committed to us. And, uh, you know, I've uh, found a place that um, really supports us to the level that, that we want to be supported and uh, they treat our, our kids uh, in the most professional manner and, uh, and our staff in the same, same regard. So I would say that uh, here at Florida State is where I will be and uh, continue to be until that day that uh, retirement comes, whenever that is. Coach, speaking of support, final question, the support you get from the NSCAA over the years, how have they helped your development? Well, certainly the NSCAA is such a fantastic organization with so many different resources um, so, such great coaches out there that are so willing to uh, to share and uh, be involved in in different coaching development as well. And 
I think uh, all of us that are members of the NSCA appreciate all of the different um, uh, layers in the game of soccer that they bring and, and help to develop the game here in this country and, and in the world. Coach, you're a true ambassador for the women's game, for soccer in general. Always a pleasure spending time with you. Good luck this season. I know that uh, you'll bounce back from that game against South Alabama and have another great season. Well, we'll sure try, Dean, and it's always a pleasure speaking with you. The 2017 NSCAA Convention will be unlike any before. Taking over the downtown Los Angeles Convention Center January 11th through 15th. Network with over 11,000 peers at one of the education sessions, the extensive exhibit hall, or one of many social functions, including the college coaches reception and the All-American Luncheon. With more space and unique experiences, you won't want to miss out on the largest gathering of soccer coaches and administrators in the world. Register today at nscaa.com. Rolling right along here on the NSCA College Soccer Podcast. Time now to talk Division Two. We begin with men. Bob Riasso featured last week in Pfeiffer University are 2-0. Bob was worried about those first two games, but they come out unblemished. Chris Grassi in the University of Charleston, number two in the country in the recently released NSCAA rankings. Rockhurst University at three, Lynn at four, Southern New Hampshire University. They're always there at number five. Simon Fraser at six and St. Edward's at seven. That is on the men's side. On the women's side, coming in at number two, last year's national champion, Grand Valley State, who beat Columbus State in the national championship game. But Jay Entlake has Columbus State at number one in the country. Of course, Jay Entlake back in the early 2000s, a couple great years at Tampa, took a chance going to the Carolina Courage right after they had won the WSA title. Came to the Courage. The WSA folded. He's looking for a job in a weird time. Columbus State takes him in, and he's been there ever since, having great success. Now the father of four children as well, loving every minute of it at Columbus State. And Jay Antlake, pleasure to reconnect with you here on the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast. Oh, it's fantastic, Dean. I've been following you for years, and uh, absolutely fantastic to reconnect with you as well. I know it's early, but number one team in the country. What's that mean to the program? You know, we, we spoke yesterday. I think the news broke uh, late in the afternoon, and uh, you know, obviously it, it meant so much to the players, and uh, just that that other coaches across the country are, are recognizing them to to be the number one team. Uh, you know, but we we're a very grounded group, and uh, you know, it's only one weekend. We're, we're two and zero on the year, and we have a, a super tough road trip coming up. We're heading down to. Lynn University that's uh, had two good uh, games to start the season and uh, Barry University, number 12 in the country, uh, who we played in the Elite Eight last year. So, uh, it, you know, it, it doesn't get any easier for us, for sure. Well, talk about uh, what people are seeing in your team, the kind of play that you like to play, and why is it that people are seeing you're number one? Well, you know, I, gosh, uh, the the toughest part is, uh, you know, Grand Valley is the team to catch. I think everybody knows that. And they're a, a three-time repeat national champion. Uh, you know, we lost to them in the national final last year, 2-0. And, uh, you know, they just went out and played a super tough schedule out west and ended up getting a tie. And, uh, you know, I think that kind of set them back just a little bit, you know, but, uh, no, we, uh, we try and score goals. Uh, you know, our big thing is, uh, we returned a lot of our goal scores from last year and, uh, you know, we graduated, uh, six players and, uh, 
we, we got some freshmen in this year that are starting for us. One uh, scored the game winner and the goal on Sunday against a, a really good team, uh, Wingate University. But, uh, you know, we, we just try and score goals. Talk about your path to Columbus State because you were having success at Tampa, then the sort of allure of the WSA pulled you to the Carolina Courage and you were just getting rolling. And of course they pulled the plug on that league and here you landed in Columbus state and you've been there 13 years since talk about the risk you took and then how you were able to recover. Well, you know, it was interesting because when the league folded back in August of 2003, uh, all the college jobs were taken. And so uh, here I am, my wife's pregnant with our first child and uh, I'm out of a job. So, uh, you know, I thought, okay, well, I could wait until January when some of the jobs pop open, or I can kind of get myself uh, up and and moving right away and be secure because uh, we had our first child in February of '04. But Columbus State opened, and uh, the opportunity to come down here and and build a program from scratch. Uh, there was not a single student on campus. Uh, you know, no no team, no field, no nothing. And I was able to design the soccer complex down here. I was able to pick every single kid, handpick them to come here. And, uh, you know, I was kind of – everybody kind of said to me, you know, once you move to Columbus, Georgia, you're never going to leave. And then I said, yeah, right. You know, come on. I'll be there a couple of years and, and go on to bigger and better, greener pastures. But uh, absolutely fell in love with Columbus, Georgia. And the, the, the family that we've created down here within the athletic department, the – the support that we've got from the community with Columbus Youth Soccer and CFC Red Star—it's tremendous, Dean. It's—it's uh, it's just one big, huge family down here. So it's kept me grounded and uh, and kept me here forever. And I, I've really enjoyed raising my family here. Well, yeah. Speaking of one big, grounded family, you didn't stop at one. You've got four kids now, so <laughs> you must be enjoying life, Jay. No, for sure. And God, God bless my wife. Uh, you know, she stays home with our children, and uh, we have four beautiful children, and two of which are soccer players. One's a softball player, and one's a three and a half year old uh, tower of terror. So, uh, no, it, it, it's been fantastic, and uh, I'm just thrilled with uh, the support that everybody has given us here in the community, and. And the president of the university here, my, my athletic director, Todd Reeser, has been a blessing, uh, real passionate about all sports. And, uh, you know, we're, we have a tough act to follow. We've got a lot of sports down here at Columbus State that win championships. And we've got several national championships in, in men's golf and in, in baseball, uh, cheerleading. I mean, it's, it's a tough act to follow. So uh, I'm just trying to keep up with the rest of the sports here at Columbus State. We know you can keep up. We know your kids are – Got to be great players. You were phenomenal at Virginia Tech. Looking at your bio, 30 goals, 16 assists, 76 points. You're still in the top 10 in Hokie land. Talk about your time at Virginia Tech. You, you know, it was kind of a, an unbelievable time back then. And, uh, you know, I went to school a long, long time ago and had the option to go to several universities. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of looked at the roster at Virginia Tech and they were graduating some kids up top. And, uh, and I said, hey, I, I could go there and play all four years of my career and, and have a real meaningful career. And, you know, we, uh, we really enjoyed it. And, and I started as a freshman and, and had a great career and was blessed to, to go overseas and play at Middlesbrough for a year and, and return to the coaching staff at Virginia Tech. And so uh, it was just a thrill to go back to Blacksburg and, you know, help continue and kind of jumpstart my coaching career at the collegiate level. Uh, so, Super, super thrilled, and yeah, Virginia Tech is a is a deep, uh, you know, deep memory in, in my heart, and uh, I'll forever be a Hokie, you know. 
When did the light go on where you said, you know what, I want to coach women, and I want to coach women at a high level? You know, years ago, uh, I started coaching when I was 14 years old at uh, an organization called Soccer Academy. And uh, Soccer Academy was run by a gentleman named John Ellis, who uh, he's got a son and a daughter, Paul Ellis, and uh, now the World Cup winning Jill Ellis. So I actually grew up working with Jill Ellis, uh, April Heinrichs, uh, Sue Patberg, uh, Jack Sakala, some just unbelievable, talented coaches. And, and they were the ones that really got me into coaching. And, and I'm forever grateful of, of those folks that, that brought me along and, and gave me opportunities, whether it be through ODP, whether it be through college. And, uh, it, you know, I coached men for two years at Virginia Tech and, uh, and and Jill Ellis and, and Paul Ellis and John Ellis and April Heinrichs, you know, really kind of worked with me and said, hey, I think you'd be great at, at coaching on the women's side. We'd love for you to come over and coach on the women's side. And so they were the ones that really gave me the first opportunities and still continue. You know, I still work with Jill Ellis with uh, the U.S. Women's National Team Programming, uh, coaching a lot of the youth teams and uh, National Team Scout and uh, National Team Center Training Center liaison for uh, the Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Alabama market. So uh, I've just been so blessed with so many mentors in my life that uh, they've kind of kept me headed in the right direction. I love your journey. Turning it back to right here, right now. Last year, the national runner-up, right now the number one team in the country. What do you got to do to take it home this year, Coach? You know, we we have to continue to score goals. Uh, you know, I think anytime you can outscore your opponent, you're going to win the game. And so, uh, we're, you know, every day in training we're working on scoring goals. And, uh, you know, last year we got to the national final. And uh, actually, to be fair, you know, I don't want to be one of those coaches that, that, that talks about out-possessing or anything. We didn't out-possess our opponent, but we certainly outshot him in the first half, 8-2, to two, but we're down 2-0. Uh, at halftime, and uh, they were just very, very efficient, and uh, defensively they were much better than us. Uh, so I think if we want to continue to get back, we got to continue to score goals. Uh, we got to be efficient in front of the goal. Uh, we got to continue to play a hard schedule. Uh, you know, I think there's there's too many coaches out there these days that that don't play tough opponents until they get to the playoffs. And uh, Every year we set up our schedule to play, try and play the toughest teams in the country. And, uh, you know, that's why we're going down this weekend to play a, a very tough team in, in Lynn and a very tough team in Barrie. And uh, we want to continue to get better, and we never want to get complacent. And, you know, Lou Holtz said we're like trees. You know, either we're growing or we're dying. And we want to be one of those teams that just keeps growing, man. You know, that's what it's all about. I love it. Finally, Coach, I can't leave without talking about uh, your assistant coaches. You know, as a head coach, sometimes you're only as good as your assistant coaches. And you made an interesting hire, and one that I love as a longtime voice of the Carolina Railhawks, bringing on one of their all-time great players, by the way, Jay. I'm telling you, Nick Zimmerman was legit. Talk about your decision to bring a guy on like Nick Zimmerman who hasn't had a ton of coaching experience. You know, it was. Uh, I've got to thank uh, my closest friend in the world, uh, Bobby Johnston. Uh, and Bobby knew Nick really, really well. Bobby works at Triangle Football Club, has four boys at play. And uh, my former assistant, who was also tremendous, uh, Rade Teniskovic, who goes, uh, he moved on to Louisville late in the summer. Uh, he became the assistant coach at University of Louisville for the women's program. And. Uh, 
you know, I was in a bind. I, I just didn't have any candidates at the time. I called up Bobby, and Bobby said, listen, I got this young man who's just absolutely brilliant. He's finishing up his playing career. I don't know if he wants to coach or not, but, uh, you know, he gave me Nick Zimmerman's name. I called him immediately, and uh, literally, Dean, the, the, the second I got off the phone with him, I knew this guy was going to be absolutely brilliant for us, and you know, he came in right away and, and made some some suggestions, and I thought, this guy's crazy. Uh, but he moved some personnel around. He talked about uh, things that we need to do in the off season. talked about things that we needed to do to get better, like video editing with V-Loop and uh, some other things. And, and honestly, you are 100% correct in saying that you're only as good as your staff. And uh I not only have Nick Zimmerman, who is brilliant, uh, we just hired a young lady, Alexa Gall, uh, who was a starting goalkeeper at Texas for three years, transferred her senior year, went to Boston College, played a year for BC, and then went over and played in uh, the Bundesliga in Germany and played a year in Iceland. Played on five national teams uh, with the U.S. Youth Soccer, but she's our goalkeeper coach. And I'm telling you, Dean, I, I have a truly amazing staff, and I owe a lot of our success to, to our staff for sure. Well said, Jay. Thanks for being with us on the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast. Dean, thanks for having me. The NSCAA is 75 years strong and continues to provide quality service and benefits to soccer coaches. Whether you're a youth, high school, college, or professional coach, the NSCAA works to be a voice for you. Speaking of voice, once again, here's Dean Linky. Dean Linky back with you on the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast as we move to Division Three soccer set to kick off this week. On the women's side, Williams College returns as the number one team after capturing their first national championship a year ago with Washington University of Missouri and the always formidable Messiah College at number three. And on the men's side, SUNY Oneata is at number three as they start the season. Loris, who lost in the national championship a year ago, is number two. And Amherst College is your reigning national champion. Those of you close to the NSCA, when you think Amherst, you think of longtime NSCA staff coach, and NSCA Honor Award winner Peter Gooding, leading Amherst as the men's soccer coach and their athletic director. Justin Serpone is now the top man at Amherst, and the former assistant under Tim Lenahan at Northwestern and John Rennie at Duke is your reigning national champion head coach at the D3 men's level and your reigning NSCAA D3 men's coach of the year. And he joins me now. Thanks for joining me, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. Fantastic year last year, winning the Division Three Men's Championship and walking away with the NSCAA Coach of the Year. Talk about what both of those honors meant to you. Yeah, I mean, I think the championship was something that was uh, really just a special thing for our entire Amherst soccer family, and we're, we're so grateful to have had the opportunity to compete in the NCAA tournament and, um, and come away as victors. I know it's been an exciting season, and uh Certainly uh, a year to remember. Now you start up again tonight. Do you still talk about last year or is it forgotten? Well, I think it's a long time ago. I mean, I certainly you can't ignore the fact that, you know, three-quarters of your team played and won a championship. So you don't want to ignore it, but you make it really clear as the coach that this is a completely new journey. Um, and that's the exciting part about college sports, right? You get a chance every year. Uh, to compete and to try and to and to grind and, and try to see what you're made of, and, and that's what we'll start tonight. 
Well, let's talk about your journey because one of the things I love about you is you were a former goalkeeper, and it's so hard, as you know, for a goalkeeper to break into any level as a head coach. Talk about that transition coming from being a goalkeeper to now being a head coach. Yeah, you know, uh, well, t- truth be told, Dean, I wasn't a very good one. Um, <laughs> so I spent a lot of time on the sidelines in college, which I'm sure my great coach, Drew Wunny Armuth, would tell you. Uh, but I really got to learn about team dynamics and how to make an impact when, you know, maybe you're not the goal scorer, you're not the best, you know, goalkeeper in the conference or whatnot. Um, you know, so I had to learn a lot. I've been blessed in my career working with head coaches like Dennis Bond and Tim Wanahan, John Rennie at Duke, Mike Jeffries, who was the assistant, uh, other assistant when I was at Duke. I mean, the people that I've learned from and worked with, I mean, what, what young person has that, that opportunity? And at no step of the way have I ever taken it for granted. I've, I've kind of just lucked into such great soccer experiences with such great people. And I think that's prepared me more than anything else. And, um, and then also, you know, getting the opportunity at a young age here at Amherst to learn and grow. And uh, I've just been blessed in my in my career and my life to have had great mentors. And that's why I think we've had the success, or I've had you know, somewhat, you know, whatever success I've had, because it's been on the shoulders of those people. When did you know you wanted to be a coach, Justin? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I think I think pretty early on, I had an extraordinary high school uh, sports experience. Uh, with my basketball team and my soccer team um, and just loved being part of a team, being part of a group that, that had goals and worked together and hit adversity together and had successes together. That, to me, is what gets me up in the morning. And, and I think pretty early on I knew if I could do this for a for a job, I mean, man, that would be a, a dream come true. And, and I haven't forgotten that. Every single day I get to alumni gym here at Amherst in the morning, I think about how lucky I am. And uh, it's really just an embarrassment of riches to be able to do this with such great young kids, young people, um, great assistant coaches every day. It's just it's pretty awesome, Dean. Well, you mentioned you hung out with Coach John Rennie, Tim Lenahan, some all-time favorites also with the NSCAA. So you've been at the Division One level. Now you're at Division Three. Paint a picture for the quality of play at the Division Three level. Yeah, I mean, I think it's terrific. I mean, I think we got some terrific players uh, here in Division Three. Um, I think in our last two graduating classes, we've we've got you know four professional players. So you know I, I don't necessarily think it's different from September to December. I think you're getting some terrific soccer. I think the difference is in the off season. It's a little bit um, maybe there's a little bit more balance to be able to do different things in their college experience. So I think you know we we don't get the opportunity to work with them in the spring. You know the way that a lot of Division ones do. So maybe the the development's different, but Man, the games are exciting. If anyone watched that final, uh, the you know the, the NCAA final last year with us and Loris, I mean that was an up and down exciting game uh, with a lot of really really good players on the field. Uh, I think the quality is great, and it's something that that uh, I think is also improving. I think there's more good players. The NSCA has done such a great job of supporting that effort. Um, man, there are, are so many good players out there. The breadth of talent is. Terrific and, and fantastic, and, and I think you know, we're seeing that at Division Three level pay dividends. You mentioned education. You've got your NSCAA Premier Diploma, I believe, and also a license with U.S. Soccer. Why was that important for your development? I certainly think NSCAA has done such a great job, not only in my experience with my assistants and seeing them go through the ranks of preparing coaches in ways that 
is systematic and, and organized and um, really allows young coaches to be able to try things out and make mistakes and learn and grow. Uh, I really enjoyed going through the coaching education process um, and met so many great people as well through that. So many colleagues that I look back on now, my first interaction with them was at those coaching courses, and I really value those experiences and remember really fondly you know, those weeks of you know, spending, spending nights planning your sessions and getting on the field the next day and executing and making mistakes and learning, and it, what a great time that was. Of course, when you think about the NSCAA, you also think about Amherst College and Peter Gooding, an NSCAA Honor Award winner, I think almost 30 years as the head coach and athletic director as well at Amherst College. Talk about his influence. Coach Gooding couldn't be more supportive, couldn't be more caring about Amherst soccer, but also Amherst athletics. He spent a long time as the athletic director here at Amherst, and, and his mentorship and love uh, over the years has been instrumental in helping us create, uh, well, he created the program, but helping us maintain um, all the success that uh, he started here at Amherst. And the moment that we got off the field after winning the championship last December, uh, I found my cell phone right away, and within two minutes I had him on the phone, and we shared a special moment um, because really this is, this is his championship, and his son Milton was also a big part of that, uh, that building experience. And I'm just so grateful for their friendship. Taking everything from last year and everything that, as you just mentioned, you've learned from the NSCAA, how do you go about trying to repeat as a national champion when you know that target is on your back? Dean, that's a good question. Uh, We talk all the time about, I mean, Amherst soccer isn't about winning championships. It's about trying to win championships. It's the journey that's the important part. So I don't think we, we know part of our psyche is about repeating. I think our psyche is about winning our game tonight against Rhode Island College, and then winning the next game, and hopefully qualifying for the NESCAC playoffs. And, and I think everything is a process. We really don't talk about championships. We don't talk about anything that happens in November, because you can't do that unless you're successful and you can execute now. Um, so I, I think that we, we certainly know that the target is on our backs, and we're going to get everybody's best game. But I'm not sure that that's much different than it's been for the last nine years. I think we've been you know, a top program that uh, brings up the best in other teams. And we're, we're looking forward to that challenge and growing and having a unique experience in 2016 that's going to be drastically different, for better or worse, than 2015. And I can't wait to get started. Hopefully you can tell my voice how jacked I am to get on the field tonight. Well, we're jacked to have you on the program here. Thanks for being part of the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast. Thanks for caring so much and taking the time. By being a member of the NSCAA, you are a part of the world's largest network of soccer coaches. Here, you can find like-minded people passionate about bettering themselves to help better their players and ultimately to better the game. Taking a quick look at NAIA news and notes, we thank Chad Waller from the NAIA for dropping in with some news. Spring Arbor, Michigan holds the longest active NAIA undefeated streak on the women's side at 21 games. Of course, they're your reigning NAIA national champion with a 3-0 victory a year ago over Lindsey Wilson. Speaking of Lindsey Wilson, they own the longest active streak of consecutive appearances in the top 25 with 171 consecutive mentions. Coach Misty Aird of Bethel, Tennessee, and Scott Oliver of Siena Heights are approaching their 200th career victory this year. And Siena Heights and Park, Missouri are both approaching the 400 career wins in program history. That's on the women's side of the NAIA. 
On the men's side, standing 3-0-0 this year, Campbellsville, Kentucky, currently boasts the longest active NAIA unbeaten streak at 19 matches. Oklahoma Westland 2-0 and Rio Grande, reigning national champ, are tied for second in the NAIA with a current 17-match streak. And with a 5-0-0 record, Rio Grande and William Woods of Missouri lead the NAIA in victories. And at this point in the year, 183 men's soccer teams have played at least one match. There are 15 clubs that have yet to kick off their season. Those are news and notes from the NAIA. And finally, we put the spotlight on NJCAA. The rankings are just out. You can check them out at nscaa.com. And we're pleased to be joined now by the head coach of the Eastern Florida women's soccer team, Jeff Carr, now in his fourth season as the only head coach in Eastern Florida soccer program's history. He comes into this season with a 32-8-2 record. Carr, who doubles as EFSC's Associate Vice President for Athletics, came to the Titans from Trevecca Nazrin University of Nashville, where he was the head men's soccer coach for five seasons and the program's all-time winning as coach. And NSCA member, we're pleased to have Jeff Carr with us. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Huge year last year, making it all the way to the final before losing to Iowa Central Community College. This year, after three games, you're the number one team in the country, according to the NSCAA rankings. How's that sound? Yeah, that's really nice. And actually, last year, most of the year, we were number one as well. But, you know, it didn't end the way we wanted to be. So we weren't number one at the end. But, yeah, it's exciting. We are a brand-new team. We only have three returners from last year's team. So... We're quite young this year, but they're starting to kind of gel. We still have some major injuries. We're without four starters actually right now, but hopefully we'll be getting them back in the next few weeks. Well, clearly that means then there's a lot of respect because it sounds like you lost a lot of your team, yet you still sit at number one in the country. It's early on. Do you feel like you can be there at the end, Coach? Well, you know, that's always our goal. We've been fortunate enough to make it to the national championship game twice now. We've lost both times. We were there in 2012 and, and this past year. But I think we have, the, you know, the, the talent to possibly compete for a national championship this year. We just got to kind of mature a little more and then get some of our uh, injuries back, and then we'll have a little more depth coming off the bench as well. Just mentioned Roger Espinoza, who was at Yavapai, went on to Ohio State and Major League Soccer, Wigan, and plays on the national team as well. And you've got uh, a young lady, Julia Hernandez, from Spain that played with you last year that's now playing quite a bit for Amanda Cromwell at UCLA. Yes, Julia did a great job here. She was our second leading goal scorer last year with 26 goals and uh, had, uh, I think, 20 assists. But yeah, she's Started quite a few games already, scored her first goal against San Diego State for UCLA and uh, has played in every game they've had. And she, Yeah, she's a tremendous young lady, and uh, we're thrilled that she's at UCLA playing for Amanda. Coach, we're thrilled to be covering all areas of soccer, men and women, here on the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast. But paint a picture of the quality of play at the junior college level. Well, I used to be at a four-year school. I was actually uh, on the men's side, but when I came here and we, I started the program from scratch, uh, just to compete, you know, at a high level, we had to, you know, get some of the best players in the country. We actually have uh, three or four this year that are being looked at by Division One schools. Uh, Bunny Shaw, who plays for the Jamaican national team, uh, six-foot uh, Jamaican that plays in the middle for us, being recruited by everyone. Uh, we have Paul Astizaran was our leading goal scorer last year, played for the Spain national team. She uh, had 29 goals last year. So to get, you know, to compete against some of these teams, we have to have some of the, you know, the best players in the world um, for their national team. So we're, we're thrilled to have the type of program where kids want to come and play here, and we have the facilities 
and we actually have hosted the national tournament for the last five years. Well, talk a little bit more about uh, your facilities and your university. What makes it so special? Well, we're 10 minutes from the Atlantic Ocean. We're about an hour from Orlando. We actually have probably one of the nicest pitches in the country. We have Orlando City's B team that plays in the USL, plays all their home games here. Uh, we've hosted the national tournament. We've hosted the high school state championships for Florida. So we we have uh, seating for 1,500. Right now we have seating for uh, 3,500 because of the USL that brought in temporary seats. We have a jumbotron scoreboard. We have almost two miles of a special drainage system under it so that you know rain or sh- any amount of rain, there's no puddling and and it doesn't affect the game at all. We have a practice pitch beside it, and we have. Uh, locker rooms at the end of it. So our president has really been supportive of athletics and men's and women's soccer. Of course, soccer huge in Florida. I told you Mark Rikorian is also on the program, and he sends his best. Uh, soccer in Florida, paint that picture as well. Well, yeah, no, it, it's so competitive. You know, the, the talent level is here for all different levels. So we're, you know, we're recruiting against the D1s and the D2s to, hope, you know, to get some of the top players in Florida. But, yeah, their depth of talent in Florida is, is amazing on the women's game. Of course, I always ask all the coaches on the program about the influence of the NSCAA. I love the attention they pay to junior college soccer. What has the NSCAA meant to you? Well, I've been a member for over 20 years, and uh, you know, I've been a high school coach. I've been a four-year coach, and you know, they definitely support um, junior college soccer, and we're very thankful for that. You know, conventions, the rankings, the all-Americans. I mean, it's it's a huge and adds a lot to um, junior college soccer. You're number one right now, but who are some teams to keep an eye on this year in junior college women's play? Well, there's quite a few. You have Monroe College out in New York. They uh, lost in the semifinals last year to us in overtime. There's uh, Tyler Junior College that has a great program with Corey Rose. Um, Iowa Western, Butler out of Kansas. Uh, there's quite a few good teams out there right now, so um, I could probably list about 10 teams that are all competitive and have a chance to win the national championship this year. Coach, if you do these three things, you could win the national championship. What are they? One, I get all our players that are injured back because we have four starters out right now. Two, uh, we have to finish our chances. Our last game, we had 41 shots and scored four goals. And, and be really focused on each each day in the process of getting better each and every day. Coach, thanks for being with us as part of the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you, Coach Carr. And we thank all of our guests, the legendary Sasha Sarosky, head men's soccer coach at Maryland, Mark Krikorian, the head women's coach at Florida State, Jay Entlake, Division II women's soccer coach at Columbus State in Georgia. At the Division Three level, Justin Serpone, your reigning national champion for men's at Amherst College. And, of course, we'll be back with more great interviews next week. I'm Dean Linke. Thanks for listening to the NSCAA College Soccer Podcast. When you join the National Soccer Coaches Association of America, you join a community who live and breathe the beautiful game just like you do. You join a network of individuals who share many of the same issues, concerns, and questions as you. The NSCAA is dedicated to serving coaches at every level of the game in a number of ways through advocacy, education, and service. Be a part of the coaching community. Learn more and join at NSCAA.com.